Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the UW Film Club podcast, where each week we invite a member of the club onto the show to talk about a movie of their choosing. Whether that movie be good, bad, topically relevant, or anything in between, it's all on the table. I'm one of your hosts, Jim Saunders, and joining the podcast, as always, is Cynthia Lee. Hello. What's up, Jim? Uh, nothing much, you know. Um, Summer vacation. Yeah. Going okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just working. I've been, I've been, like, just trying to desperately catch up on all the films that I didn't get to see in the beginning of the year, even though none of them have really stood out, so. I feel that. I'm trying to, currently trying to catch up on Stranger Things now that season three is already uh, out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I am probably going to watch that sometime soon, but it's not particularly on the top of my radar. There's a lot of TV shows that are out, too, that... Right. I've been trying to catch up on as well. Mm-hmm. Like right now, I'm watching Fleabag. If you've heard of that show, I, I've heard about it. I really don't know what it's about, though. Yeah, it's this British comedy with Phoebe Waller-Bridge. It's it's really funny. I can't even explain it though without like just someone watching it. All right, I'll have to I'll have to check that one out. What's yeah. it? What's it on? What platforms? Um, Amazon. Yeah. Okay. Amazon. Okay. Um, I can't speak for season three of Stranger Things, but, um, season one and the first half of season two are great. (laughs) Highly recommend that. I really didn't like season two. I think they focused, their focus was not on anything in particular. And so it kind of just drifted away from what was really important. I think I probably can't judge, um, because I've only really seen half of it, I kind of can't judge season two uh, holistically mm-hmm. because I haven't seen. I, I hear there's there's this one episode near the end of the series that's just not good at all. Oh yes, I remember. It's it's this episode that primarily spoiler or it's not that much of a spoiler alert, but it primarily focuses on Eleven by herself, mm-hmm. and I think when it's not revolved around them as a group together, I think Stranger Things kind of falls apart. And that's what my whole issue was with Stranger Things season two. Everyone was kind of minding their own business. And so the story had to focus on like five different things at once. And it just wasn't fun to watch mm. as opposed to the first one where everyone is collectively involved say except for like nancy and um steve i think that's his name. yeah steve yeah. but they end up coming into the group and it becomes this really focused on focused story where i think season two was not mm-hmm. yeah no I, I think the the main strength of season one is just the strength and the dynamic of all the child actors because they all they all play so well off of each other, and I did like yeah. how at the beginning of season two they introduce um, Max. Yes, who, like, I really like her and character how, as well. But also how um, how Mike is kind of jealous, and that he thinks that her um, being in that group sort of throws off their whole dynamic. And I really like um, how they do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like her character, and I'm glad that they're not pitting her against Eleven in season three from what I've seen from the trailers, because that would just be really annoying. Right, because they almost kind of introduced that 
um, when Eleven yes, like comes he... back to the and sees Mike and and her together. Yeah. Yeah, but we're not. <laughs> this is anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, sorry. <laughs> No, this no, is two episodes totally in a row fun. where we like go on completely different tangents on things, but you know, that's... but I'm excited for Stranger Things three, so we'll see. Yeah, yeah, maybe we'll maybe we'll do a podcast episode on it. Who knows? <laughs> po- it's it's possible. Maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, Cynthia's right. We are here today <laughs> to talk about. I mean, if you if you clicked on this podcast, you already know. But we're here to talk about Toy Story four. Yeah, this will probably serve as, like, our pseudo-review while also analyzing just the whole franchise in general. Mm-hmm. But we'll also, we should be have, we should have a written review on our website as well, so you can go check that out mm-hmm. whenever that's finished. Um, so, Cynthia, when you first heard that they were going to make a fourth Toy Story movie, what was your reaction? Um, so I was pretty ambivalent about it. I wasn't mad because I know a lot of people were just tired of sequels from Pixar because there's always, there's been this argument floating around about Pixar where they are not original anymore, Uh where the last three films, I believe, have been sequels with or two, maybe, with Incredibles 2 and then Toy Story 4. And then if you count Pixar as this whole unit of Disney, then we have Frozen 2 also coming out. And so there isn't... Mm-hmm. Everyone's been complaining that, oh, Disney and Pixar have lost touch with originality. And so I know a lot of people were upset that Toy Story 4 was the thing that was coming out from Pixar rather than an original story like something like Ratatouille or Up or Wally, which are some right. of Pixar's best works. But mm-hmm. for me, I wasn't really mad, but I wasn't really excited about it either. For me, it was just, oh, this seems like an obvious cash grab, but I enjoy Toy Story and I, I'm always intrigued to see what Pixar has up their sleeve. I trust what they do because they, besides like, the whole car series right um, <laughs> yeah they haven't made anything that i'm particularly upset with and so i was just curious what they could add on because toy story 3 although a lot of people complain about its emotional manipulation that it does to end the story i think it's still a really good ending towards the particular arc and it almost seemed inevitable because you had this child growing up and so you had to analyze the situation of oh what could happen if that child grew up grew Mm -hmm. out of his toys because they always hinted at that at the first two series but I think with Toy Story 3 it really solidified okay we we went through this arc with Andy and Andy's toys and so Toy Story 4 spoiler alert if you have not seen one two or three it's removing Woody and his friends from Andy, the fundamental core of one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I was just really curious on what they could say or what more they had to say with these toys. How about you? Well, you mentioned how Toy Story 3 has all that emotional manipulation, but all things considered, it completely earns it. Yeah, yeah, that, no, for sure. That's, that's so well-developed in that whole theme of of their purpose of, mm-hmm. of the toy's purpose after andy's grown up 
Yeah, for sure. Is is really well developed, and I thought that ending was perfect. Every, yes, I agree. Everybody too, loved yeah. it. Everybody cried. Yeah, um, yeah, it's the perfect ending. Mm-hmm. But so that was just kind of my opinion on like Toy Story four. What would they do next? Mm-hmm. It seemed just confusing on why they made a four. Not to mention a trilogy sounds better than like a quadrilogy or however you would say that. Right, and um, a lot of people are in that sort of camp that like oh after what like maybe maybe brave pixar mm-hmm. sort of started to lose their reputation a little bit they were still you know diamonds in the rough like like inside out and coco mm-hmm. um, oh shit i totally forgot those yeah yes, yeah yes <laughs> but because for so long pixar has been this beacon of just originality and creative mm-hmm. creative voices like for so long they were just like number one in animation but then it sort of seemed like Pixar was declining a little bit um, at the same time that like Disney animation was sort of making their renaissance and DreamWorks had like the How to Train Your Dragon series and all that. And and the, the, the Despicable Me, right? Is that DreamWorks? Despicable Me is Illumination, but th- oh, those movies, okay. the Illumination movies in popular culture started to to rise so like definitely everyone yeah wants a minion oh yeah <laughs> well i mean everyone hates minions now but yeah. at, at like like 2013 2014 era illumination was just huge yes and it pixar is, it is, i think it still is mm-hmm. and then pixar it just seemed like it was like steady steadily declining and they were making more sequels and people were bashing them because they're not quote-unquote as creative anymore i think and there so, was a period of time where it because I'm mentioning Incredibles 2 and in Toy Story 4, and I, I'm i kicking myself because I forgot about Coco and Inside Out, but it seems like after maybe, like, those just came out once in a while, and you would always hear about the sequels rather than the original work. Right. Which I think is interesting, too, because audiences would complain about, oh, there's so many sequels and, and stuff, but Incredibles 2 still made a billion dollars, and which mm-hmm. is more than what the original ones made. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. What was your opinion on what when you first heard Toy Story 4 came out? Or they were in the makes of doing, or in the midst of right, doing it. Right, right. Um, it was one of those things where I was kind of in that same camp of people uh, for a little bit. And then when I first originally heard about Toy Story 4, I was just kind of confused. Because mm-hmm. I didn't know... I mean, I kind of knew, but I didn't really know how they would approach that story and what really the purpose of like what like why are they making this other than for you know for them to money. make for them to make money yeah um and so that was something i i just always had the had in the back of my head like why are they making this what is the purpose and it's kind of funny because that's sort of a theme that's greatly explored in toy story 4 is mm-hmm. what are these toys purposes like what after everything that's happened to them Woody in particular, um, mm-hmm. he goes through this arc in, in, in the film. And it's this whole internal struggle as to what, like, should he be there for Bonnie, which is his new kid, or mm-hmm. just go off and, and do what he needs to do and he wants mm-hmm. to do. Toy Story 4, what re- for me, it really puts into perspective of what toys, what maybe John Laster... I don't know because John Lester is somewhat detached from this film, especially with his the sexual harassment allegations that have come in light of him. Right. That made him 
need step down from Pixar and then whatever he's doing now. I haven't really followed his career since he left, mm -hmm. but it really puts into the sense that Toy Story, as much as one, two, and three, it kind of surrounds this idea of Andy and they are Andy's toys. I think Toy Story 4 really puts on the stamp of no, oh no, this is this is Woody's story. This mm -hmm. has always been totally. Woody's story. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that almost sort of gets lost in Toy Story 3 and they bring it right back in Toy Story 4 because in Toy Story 3, it's real. It's really about what what happens to a toy when they leave, mm -hmm. and it's not only about Woody's existential crisis, but Buzz's and Andy's in sort of a way. But but here it's really about Woody, mm -hmm. and it really puts into light how much if you go back to three, two, and one and focus it on a lens on Woody, I think Toy Story Four is a much needed film. But if you never saw it at, through, you never specifically saw it through the lens of Woody, I think maybe Toy Story 4 would confuse some people. And I guess for me, I've always interpreted this as like how, how the toys attach themselves to a person. And this film is how the toys detach themselves from specific people. Mm -hmm. And how that's just the nature of, of them being a toy because people, you know, children will outgrow them and they'll um, go on to different people. And sort of getting on a, a different point, though, mm -hmm. is I, I almost felt like because it was more of Woody's story, this felt like, in a way, the most mature of the entire series mm -hmm. because it, it just focuses on on Woody as a character and he's sort of going through this midlife crisis mm -hmm. where he doesn't know what his purpose is anymore and he's not really being played with by Bonnie mm -hmm. and he feels the need to well he sort of finds solace in the fact that he has to protect this new character mm -hmm. uh, called Forky which is an excellent <laughs> we'll talk about Forky I yeah. fucking love Forky Forky is great <laughs> but the whole purpose thing is is a theme that's also explored by his dynamic with Forky, because mm -hmm. Forky at first doesn't really know his purpose either. He thinks because so basically Forky is an arts and crafts project that Bonnie made at her kindergarten orientation. So it's just a spork with some um, like popsicle Googly sticks, eyes. Google AIs. Um, what are those like? Clay and crayon i guess like yeah could... yeah yeah that's pretty much it and so he comes to life and thinks he's trash mm -hmm. <laughs> um because he was made out of trash right and then it's sort of woody that has to step in and tell him like how special he is and how important he is to bonnie and that's what his purpose is yeah because the moment that he's made or Forky's made is when Bonnie goes off to kindergarten orientation and feels somewhat lost and lonely and she makes Forky to make herself feel better. Mm -hmm. And so that the reason of that attachment is she created something to make her feel better. Mm -hmm. The film not only focuses on that, on that dynamic between children and their toys, but also sort of the self introspection of of those toys and their self-worth. Mm -hmm. 
um, and how that's directly connected to those children in a way. It honestly just tackles like its overarching theme is like, what does it mean? It's always going to always goes back to what does it mean to be a toy and what does it mean to be loved, I guess. it's That's always been, I mm-hmm. think, the theme of Toy Story 1, 2, and 3. And that's these are really mature themes and adult themes that is, are like the reason why Pixar has always been so successful because they've been able to create these fun animated films because Toy Story 1, 2, and 3 are really fun films mm-hmm. that are uh, great merchandising as well, um, <laughs> good merchandising films as well. But they're these really fun films that often tackle really, really adult themes that challenge adults in a way, but also are one and a half hours of pure entertainment for children. We haven't even talked about Bo Peep and how she enters the story because that adds on to another layer of what does it mean to be a toy, right? Right. Because Do you want to talk about how she's kind of introduced plot-wise at least? Oh, okay. So Bo Peep, had, had we not seen her since... What? Toy Story 2. Since Toy Story 2. The film opens up with how she kind of left, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Bo Peep basically ends up... She belonged to Andy's sister, and then she ends up getting sold uh, to someone. And then eventually she ends up basically basically being, like, free in a way. Because mm-hmm. she's, not, she's not attached to, to any one child. And they find her in this park? Or, no, there's, um... So, um, Bonnie and her family are off on this road trip, and... Mm-hmm. That's like where, you know, the story really takes place. And then mm-hmm. there's at near this one carnival, there is this antique shop and Woody ends mm-hmm. up seeing the the lamp or whatever that um, Bo Peep's attached to. Yeah. So we physically see that, you know, Bo Peep is disconnecting herself from purpose or whatever. Mm-hmm. So Woody then enters the antique store and... In the antique store, he realizes that Boat Peep wasn't there or isn't there. And he, mm-hmm. all, along the way of realizing that, he meets um, Gabby Gabby, this other antique who has lost her voice box and wants Woody's voice box so she can be played with as a toy because she was always a ne- neglected toy. Mm-hmm. And so through Woody's escape of this antique store, running away from Gabby Gabby because he doesn't want his voice box to be ripped out from him, he runs into Bo Peep yep. in a carnival park area. I'm, I'm, oh, it was like a playground near the carnival that Bonnie and her family are at at that particular moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm remembering that correctly. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. That's right. In Toy Story 1, 2, and 3, they always emphasize that the toy's purpose in life is to serve a child and and be there for a child for them to have fun and play with and give them comfort. And Bo Peep, when we meet, we reunite with her, when Woody reunites with her, Bo Peep is this figure that doesn't attach herself to a child but still wants to be a toy that that entertains a child, comforts a child, but is doesn't want it to be this one particular child because she 
has already experienced so much of getting lost and being shelved, which is a toy's worst nightmare. Mm -hmm. Or being and, um, in the case of, um, of Gabby Gabby, right out of the box, she was... Um, her voice box didn't mm -hmm. work. So she never got to fulfill that purpose. Mm -hmm. And like we said, this whole story is sort of, it, it's, it's Woody's story. And so mm -hmm. not only does he have this inner conflict with, with trying to uh, fulfill his purpose and be there for Bonnie versus like to break free versus like this external conflict with he, he's, he doesn't want to give up his voice box to, to Gabby Gabby. And I think initially it's really interesting because initially they make Gabby Gabby out to be like this main antagonist, mm -hmm. but really and with, with this malicious intent, but really this whole time she's been wanting to fill out that same purpose that Woody has been able to fulfill for his kids this entire time. Mm -hmm. I think one of the, mo I guess we're kind of getting into spoilers, but. Oh, this is a, sp yeah, this is a spoiler yeah, podcast. Definitely, if definitely. you didn't get the gist of that already, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and I think one of the most tragic elements, a, a lot of people will be, will be sad and will cry at the ending. Mm -hmm. Which we'll talk about later. But I think, to me, one of the most tragic parts of this film was after um, Gabby gets the voice box from Woody, um, she tries to get the attention of that one girl. Yeah. The girl yeah. notices and then just decides not to take the toy. Mm -hmm. So in, her, in Gabby's journey to try to find or to, to, to try to gain that purpose and to try to make that child, that one particular child happy, mm -hmm. she ends up failing. And I mm -hmm. think that's kind of the whole purpose of this movie is just, mm -hmm. and it's sort of the crux, like the crux in the heart of it, because, you know, she, she couldn't fulfill this one child's purpose. And that's mm -hmm. just inevitable, like that battle happen. But she's able to comfort that one little girl who can't find her parents at the end of the... Mm -hmm. And that's the same for Woody, too, because he couldn't really fulfill his purpose with Bonnie, and so he's going to go out and find someone he can comfort. Yeah. And so I think, even though this is Woody's story, Gabby is kind of the heart of this film, in a way. I think Gabby and Bo Peep really present these outside forces these outside train of thoughts of what it means to be a toy because in the focus in one two and three we've already talked about it woody has always been rather excluded from anything outside of andy or bonnie i think toy story 2 slightly touches on the fact of there are toys outside this andy's room mm -hmm. that Ha are dealing with their own issues, but then it always comes back to Andy and, or not Andy, oh my, oh yes, a Andy and his toys and Woody and his group of people. And I think here it's, um, it's de similar to two, it's detaching Woody away from those group of toys that have always been together and always have been played with by a child and exposing him to toys that have often been neglected or don't even see themselves as this thing that belongs to one person, but rather they are something that should be fulfilling an overall purpose. Right. And part of Woody's arc at the end of the film is that he finally realizes that 
there is something more than just being a particular child's companion. Right. And just the whole thing with that there are toys that have been neglected and that haven't ever had that opportunity to like provide joy. Mm-hmm. It treats, I think one, two, and three always asks the question of what does it mean to be a toy? And it really answers it in a fundamental way of how we think about toys where they are something that we're pl- being, we want to play with. But in this film, it takes that question and expands it mm-hmm. way more than... I thought possible for Pixar, but they, it's starting to see that Woody, well, Woody starts to see that he has more freedoms than just being this thing for a child. Right. And that's, that's like really deep if Mm -hmm. you think about it. But I think that's what makes this film really, really, really successful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I really didn't think that this would be anything really special. I, I I kind of went in went into it with a with a cynical mindset, but um, mm-hmm. and it ended up winning me over, um, <laughs> and I, I really wasn't expecting that to happen. Toy Story Four doesn't work without Forky. If we want to talk about Forky, <laughs> I I I mean I guess I'd want to say Forky's the comic relief. I think for me, Forky as much he he is comic relief in the fact that he always constantly says he's trash but at the same time i think it's a perfect plot device to introduce this idea of what does it mean to be a toy i think he is the fundamental crux of this film because he Mm -hmm. introduces the idea of well some things are built to not be toys and so how do you explain that to someone i guess Mm -hmm. It, it he really or his inclusion really does a good job of of introducing this idea that he might physically be trash but mm-hmm. he still bring brings and brought joy to to Bonnie and really like that's that's the whole point right yeah so what exactly is a definition of a toy like yeah. if i as a child thought a lamp was my best friend or a water bottle was a best friend is that now a toy or is it still trash Mm -hmm. and it's still it's giving toys another meaning they're not just these things made by mattel and disney Mm -hmm. curated for toys like we can create our own toys but then what are what are they to society Mm -hmm. or what compared to what what are they to us It could be a a philosophy paper written about this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. I bet someone's out there doing that already. Probably. That but that's not us. We're that's not the level that (laughs) I want to go to at least. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Not for this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that's just what makes this film I think this film is really good in the fact that Forky is this really entertaining thing that introduces a really deep meaning into this film also totally side off topic but i saw this article about forky because everyone's obsessed with forky like Mm -hmm. there's so many articles about forky and twitter loves forky i remember first seeing forky and i was like what the fuck is this right (laughs) um but have you seen the so disney loves merchandising we all know that that's why toy story 4 slightly exists but um have you seen the forky 
there's like forky toy sets. I mean, it doesn't and, surprise me really, but. And, <laughs> but it just like defeats the whole, first they're horrible. Like toy, the forky toy set that Disney sells is this giant clay thing that looks very ugly and obtuse compared to if you just made a forky by yourself. And it, I don't know, I just thought it was so funny because it's ironic that Disney is selling this giant forky play kit where you can build your own forky when the whole point of forky is that he's made out of trash and you can make him with a spork and some googly eyes and popsicle sticks. Yeah, I mean, I think marketing and merchandising, especially for a big franchise like Toy Story and with, from a huge studio like disney like it it's gonna contradict what 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 the messaging behind the film was that's just kind of inevitable it's like it's like all the marketing or in in all the merchandising behind something like like the lego movie right Mm -hmm. because that movie could have been it's all about like imagination but you know there were all these like branded lego sets you know based off of them and and yeah Anyway. I love when Toy Story, because I rewatched Toy Story 1, 2, and 3. I love when they just throw in kind of these brands, though. I don't know. It just There's a self-awareness to Toy Story that's kind of fun, for me uh-huh. at least. I, I always go back to toys, the first Toy Story when um, they meet Buzz, or Buzz meets um, Andy's toys for the first time, and Mr. Potato Head and like Porky are saying, oh, I'm from Mattel. I'm from whatever. I'm from this brand. And Buzz is super confused. But it just shows a self-awareness and a cleverness to these films that I've always appreciated. Right, right. But I only bring up the Forky thing because I just thought it was super ridiculous and so stupid. And if I could show you a picture of that toy kit. I I just looked it up. (laughs) It's so ugly. It, It really doesn't look that much like him. Yeah, it's the Forky handle is very thick Mm -hmm. there was like this article where they're where they bought the disney kit and they compared it to just making their own and their own one is so much better than this ugly ten dollar toy kit that Mm -hmm. disney is trying to sell us (laughs) i don't know i just thought it was so funny and it's just also kind of upsetting but (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's unfortunate but that that's just the nature of of marketing but we love Forky. I yeah. think For, Forky's a, great. Just a great character, voiced by Tony Hale, who, who I love him. Of he's in Arrested, Arrested Development. Arrested Development. Yep. Yeah, and he's also in Veep. He's. I hate all the characters in Veep, but he plays one of my. I like the characters I like because they're all horrible mm-hmm. people. <laughs> I haven't seen Veep. Mm. Veep is so so good. I mean, it's kind of scary as well because julie lewis dreyfus's character is essentially as stupid as trump but um and they all kind of suck all the characters kind of suck but in a really funny way mm. <laughs> but um, yeah forky's awesome sorry mm-hmm. i have to no, get it's that okay. out there yeah <laughs> i totally agree i'm sure i'm sure everyone else will as well I'm not really sure if there's like a single person that could walk out of this film and be like, oh, I didn't like the inclusion of that Forky character. No, yeah. I did. So I do follow some 
reviewers on Twitter, I try to block them out in terms of what they say about movies because they always get to see them early, which, uh, but, um, there was one I was following and he, he mentioned how, and I guess I, I kind of wanted to talk about this because it goes back to what Toy Story, a lot of people had issues with Toy Story 3 of this emotional manipulation. And he said that he didn't like Toy Story 4 because of the ending and spoiler alert, if you've gotten this far, without realizing it um the ending is that woody gives up being bonnie's toy and goes off with bo peep do you think that was earned because the reviewer i was looking at said he felt like it wasn't definitely like i Mm -hmm. think i think everything with forky and especially gabby Mm -hmm. with, with with those particular stories was leading up to that point and mm-hmm. was sort of revealing what the actual film was about. Mm-hmm. I, I think it was totally earned. What about you? Mm-hmm. I do too, in a way. It felt almost inevitable, especially with the reemergence of Bo Peep mm-hmm. and that beginning scene where Woody almost leaves with Bo Peep when Bo Peep is about to get sent away. Right. So I think it really hints at the idea idea of Woody's inner struggle of what of it means what does it mean to be a toy and I think through these external forces of seeing Bo Peep as quote-unquote a lost toy and then seeing Gabby Gabby who has was defected right out of the box and so she never got to experience the joy that Woody did I think it really just ended up leading to the point of Woody is going to give himself up and give him away so someone else can find joy within him. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's interesting to note, too, that him going into that antique shop is, is, is really what sets that whole plot in motion. Because mm-hmm. he kind of just gets spiraled into this, and that's all based out of his own... The reason he even goes in there is, is all based off of his, um, that own, that his own struggle. Mm-hmm. And it's almost ironic because the whole point of Toy Story 2 is he is an antique as well. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So it kind of also brings back that notion that Woody is a toy, but he's also so much more. Mm -hmm. I think that's what overall this film kind of explores. What does it mean to be more than a toy? And essentially in a way, which is weird to say, what does it mean to be human? It definitely doesn't get to that level, but it, like, Woody does tackles these very human aspects of what does it mean to even just exist. I know in Greg's review of it, he compares and shows the parallels between uh, Woody's journey and his struggle and sort of... Shout out to Greg. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, shout out to Greg. (laughs) And sort of, like how it feels to be a parent sending their child off to college. Like what, like, what is my purpose now? Like what, what, what do I do with myself now? So I think, I think in that way, it's, it explores, you know, kind of a human aspect. I, I think for me, the human aspect is coming out of this idea. I mean, I keep reiterating it over and over again, but I think the human aspect kind of comes out of, we always, again, I'm going to reiterate, I keep reiterating these things, but one, two, and three is really about what does it mean to be a toy? And finally, Toy Story 4 is like, okay, what does it mean to be more than a toy? Right. 
and if we were to use Greg's analogy of if a if it's a, a parent sending their child away to college, then it would be this idea of okay, I've done my quote unquote job of raising this child and having giving them the tools to succeed. Mm-hmm. Now it's a self reflection of okay, what what do I do next? I, I what feel am I now? Like I've mission accomplish my mission i've right. done all the things i need to do and now what am i off left to do but as a parent i don't actually know if that is true so i mean yeah obviously but if we see it through that can. light yeah yeah, yeah then it, it would make sense in a way of woody is essentially figuring out what am i supposed to do next but i think it's more complicated than that because he does have he does as, as much as Bonnie doesn't choose him as a toy, he did have Bonnie. Mm-hmm. He did have another mission that he want, he needed to accomplish. But it was more of him trying to understand, is there more right. than just this? Mm-hmm. Do you think, given the ending and the several post credit scenes, there will be a Toy Story 5? I really hope not. <laughs> Like yeah. I wouldn't, I think I would have the same opinion I did with four of. I wouldn't be totally angry about it, but I wouldn't. I would just be confused again. I would be, why are they doing it again? Especially now that I think four, like you said earlier, four puts in context the whole series that this has been about Woody the entire time. Yeah, and so it's this four wraps up Woody's story pretty well, mm-hmm. unless I mean. Unless what? Because there's one line that really rings true of like, well, now Woody's a quote-unquote lost toy. And then Buzz is like, no, he, he's not lost. For the first time, he's found. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I can't find a way. I mean, there's, sure, there's more things to be questioned upon about, okay, now you've found yourself, what are you going to do next? But I think that would lead to a more boring story because one, two, three, and four have always been existential crises movies. Right. Because one is, okay, an existential crisis of what does it mean to be replaced and not be a favorite. Two is what does it mean to be something? What does it mean to not only be a toy, but be something more valuable. Three is kind of this, what are we going to do next now that Andy has grown up? And four is, is there more to me than just being a toy? Mm-hmm. And so they've all tackle existential crises. So unless Toy Story 5 can create another introspective of what is, and they all surround this idea of what does it mean to be a toy? And so if I feel like you're almost can you find another creative way to do that? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't necessarily think it's impossible. I'm not oh, no, really sure. Either, yeah. I'm not really sure if they would follow Woody or if they would follow all I, the other I toys. Feel like, I feel like they couldn't do anything about the, the only way is if they did it to like a story about Buzz or Jesse. Right. Because I think they've exhausted Woody. Yeah. All the films, if you look back, are squarely about Woody. They, mm-hmm. the more the f- the series evolves, the more, the more Buzz becomes a sidekick character. The more Jess becomes a comic relief, and it's always ending up. Really, four really is just centered focus on Woody, and so 
if anything, they could probably explore explore Buzz because he does kind of over the series he's been pushed at, to, to the side, comic, yeah. the side comic relief character. So it, yeah, maybe it could be about you know like his fading relevance in in Bonnie's life in the same way that that Toy Story four was to Woody, but I feel like that would just be uninteresting because we've already really, we've seen it. We've seen that story before. Yeah. So I, I mean. I wouldn't really, be upset. It's just, I'd be interested, I guess, yeah. the same way I was with four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I wouldn't really like to see it happen. I think, I I know that we all thought that Toy Story three was his perfect ending, but I I really really like what they did with four, and I don't. I really. Yeah, I don't. Same. I don't want them to continue on with this. Well, I feel, I feel that. If they were to do do a Brad Bird with Incredibles, it, it the story needs to be it needs to be important and it needs to be something worth it. Because mm-hmm. Brad Bird has always said that he never wanted to create an Incredibles two unless he can create a story that he felt was important to him and important to be said out loud. So I think Pixar. If I want a, to- if they were to create a Toy Story five, think deeply about why you want it to exist again, mm-hmm. or reinvigorate the series. And it can't just be because Toy Story four makes a billion dollars. Yeah, 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 yeah. Before we end, because I think that's pretty much all we have to talk about this film, right? Mm-hmm. Before we end, say Toy Story four is the last. Um, Toy Story film. What is your ranking of them? Very difficult question. Hmm. I feel like I feel like this might be a controversial opinion, but mm-hmm. I I think the first one is my least favorite. Okay. Okay. Just because I'm, I mean, uh, I don't want to say that there's not a lot going on because there is, but I feel like. It's, I don't know. It's such a hard thing to... Yeah, yeah, no. What I love about the first one is it's 84 minutes long and it's paced perfectly, which has always been a strength of these Toy Story films where their their pacing is fucking magnificent. Mm-hmm. It never feels boring every single time I watch it. Oh, yeah, another thing to note, just a little bit of trivia in case anyone didn't know, but... The first Toy Story was the first, well, A, the first Pixar film, and also B, the first ever feature-length um, 3D animated film. So it's... It, it's impressive in that sort of sense, yeah. The the Toy Story films have always had that reputation of being incredibly noteworthy. Mm-hmm. Another little fun thing about Toy Story is... Apparently, Woody was supposed to be really mean. He was this really, really mean character, like a nasty character. Because mm-hmm. in Toy Story One, he's kind of rude to Buzz, like, but it's like this charming rude, right? You it's know? Not, it's out of kind of get over it. It's out of like jealousy. Yeah, where the first draft of it, Pixar or Disney was telling John Lasseter, you need to make it edgy so the teenage boys will watch this movie. Because for some odd reason, 
that's every the demographic studio, that they wanted every, to no every studio thinks teenage boys are the demographic that they want for their films and it's always fundamentally wrong teenage boys should not be not should not always be the focus of people's films <laughs> it's, i think that's just a pure fact and a lot of studios i believe always think that because teenage boys are the demographic that need to be captured it the, their films suffer because mm -hmm. of it i was listening they... to this yeah i was listening to this other podcast that of that was talking about triple frontier that netflix film and they were just <laughs> arguing how that movie should definitely been definitely should have been targeted to women because there's just these four burly men and the movie's so obscure that it doesn't make sense so it's like not people who aren't attracted to men would just kind of see the plot and be like, what the fuck is going on? But if you were attracted to those four leading men, mm -hmm. you would probably <laughs> enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. It, it, <laughs> I don't know. That was just my tangent on studios for, thinking that teenage yeah, boys should be their target. Things, when, when studios try to appeal to that stereotypical like teenage boy stereotype, it's... It, it, things just end up being unnecessarily edgy and uh -huh. they usually make no sense and plot is not the first priority. Yeah. Which is great that they didn't try to make Toy Story <laughs> into that. <laughs> edgy or else, oh no. Oh no. Yeah, apparently, um, I think it was Steve Jobs or whatever, who someone on the early board of Pixar was like, this is... This is super bad. Please let John Lasseter just make what he wants. Mm -hmm. Don't make an edgy Woody. <laughs> and, <laughs> and thank so God. they toned him down. Thank God, because everybody loves Toy Story. Like, they managed to make it so universally loved just by not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a little fun fact. Mm -hmm. That Woody was supposed to be really mean. <laughs> but yeah... What is your ranking? I guess we should end on what of our what's our ranking of the Toy Story films. We're totally not gonna hmm. hit like hit someone's buttons or make someone really pissed. I mean, they're all pretty fantastic, in my opinion. Yeah, in my opinion, I think Toy Story Two is the best one. I was good. Yeah, I was gonna say my personal ranking after after some thought is from best to worst two, three, four, and then one. Mm. But one I, one is by no means a bad like, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one is fantastic. Yeah, I think I would go Toy Story two as, like that's the for me that's the clear top one, and then th I think three, four, and one all kind of I have the same opinion on them. I think I would go one, four, three, just because I really understand where people come from with the emotional manipulation that occurs in three mm -hmm. toy story one is just masterful storytelling in my opinion yeah. and uh two three and four kind of build on this idea the pacing of it i love films that are paced so 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 well mm -hmm. especially if they're longer than you know 90 minutes <laughs> toy story well, all the Toy Stories run around an hour 40, but mm -hmm. one is 84 minutes. It doesn't even hit an hour 30. Mm -hmm. Ugh. 
perfection. I love <laughs> films under two hours if you have not listened to this podcast enough. Yeah. <laughs> if, if films can tell uh, a concise story that's short, it's, it's great. It's great. Yeah, yeah. But that kind of just wraps up what we have to say about Toy Story 4, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's pretty great. You should go see People, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you have it already. See it. Yeah, and um, we'll probably have a review, a written review, of this film out on our website sometime soon in the next week. I have to talk to Alex about it, but mm-hmm. that should be coming out relatively soon, hopefully in time, so I we can link it <laughs> on our description below, but. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll if, see. if there's yeah. a link to a review in, in the description, whether you're on you should go check SoundCloud it out or whatever. Well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, thanks so much for listening. Uh, if you want to check out our other podcasts, we are on um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Mm-hmm. Next week, we'll be discussing the new Ari Aster film, Midsummer. A film that is not is over two hours long is much over two hours long and is completely different from toy story 4 and i'm so excited to talk about it me too me too (laughs) it it was it really grew on me the more i thought about it it's something it's something we'll we'll go into it next week (laughs) you can find us on facebook at uw film club and then you can find us on instagram film club uw along with twitter Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, thanks for joining us. Well, 4th of July passed, so I guess. Yeah. I hope you had a good 4th of July. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. Bye.